Good morning, everyone. So good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, thanks for coming out. Um, before we get started, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for, for your word. I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, even speak through me and my words, and I pray that um, you would uh, convict us of the areas that we have gone astray, like lost sheep. And I pray also that you would give us the grace and the strength to turn back to you. Um, we pray that as, as we do so, that we would be led to worship you even this morning and to glorify you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so uh, we're going to be in Romans 7 this morning. We just read it. Thank you so much. That's a tough passage to read. Um, guaranteed, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess it up. If I read that thing out loud, it's going to get messed up. Um, do I need to be centered, by the way, quick? Is this okay right here? We're good. Okay, I didn't know if the camera was messed up. So, um, uh, so he goes through this whole thing um, where it's very memorable. I don't do the thing that I want to do. I do the thing I don't want to do, and it goes back and forth. Um, so I'll be referring to this, ch- this passage throughout. So if you have a Bible or a phone Bible or whatever, keep it open there. Um, we'll see that the author, Paul, is describing the power of sin in a person's life. His language really almost sounds like he's like trapped in sin. And um, the climax of this passage comes with this cry of anguish, where she just read it, where um, he says, Who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me? And uh, in some ways, that's our question this morning. Um, who will deliver us from this body of death? Or in other words, where do we turn to solve the problem of sin? And when we look at Romans 7, seeking out the solution, it seems to me that something pretty huge is missing from Romans 7. And I think that Paul, in writing this, left something pretty major out on purpose to spark our interest. Okay? So we'll get there eventually. But for right now... The question we're looking for is, where do we turn to solve the problem of sin? Uh, when I was thinking about that, this this week, I thought of a time in college that I turned, um, I had a really big problem, I turned to the wrong place to solve it. Okay, you ready? So I lived in this, this house with a bunch of guys, eight other guys, two bathrooms, nine people. It's terrible. And uh, actually, it was awesome. But um, it was a really crowded house, really crowded driveway. But it was awesome because we all were young life leaders and trying to learn how to follow Jesus together. And so we messed up some, but also we encouraged each other some. And it was great. And I was a young life leader in college, actually wildlife from middle school. And um, I had led a Bible study, a small group, with this group of guys that I I still love these guys so much. And on this particular morning, it was 6.30 in the morning, Leaving, leaving the house. I was probably uh, up to like four working on a paper or something. And um, I was really excited though because this was my last day of Bible studies with these eighth grade guys before they moved on to high school. So I had planned out like a special meeting and everything. I was going to, you know, kind of see them off. And um, I was sleepy and also distracted. So I'm backing my truck out of the driveway and um, I hear this loud crunch. You guys have been there before. I hear this loud crunch. I'm like, oh, what is that? I look up, and my friend who was driving, who was, um, driving his car looked back at me with these like, wide eyes like, oh, what just happened? And I jump out of the car, and I run around. And um, I didn't mention this yet, but our, our propane line meter was right next to the driveway. It was basically like in the driveway. And, um, and this morning, though I backed up like 100 times, 
I, I just crunch this propane line. So I jump out, I go to look at it, and it's just like busted open and spewing propane everywhere. And so I think, okay, got to get to small group. I'm going to run inside and get something to fix this. And so I run back inside, 6 in the morning, everyone's sleeping, and I'm banging like drawers and stuff. And finally I get it. It's duct tape. <laughs> and so I run back, I run back outside, and uh, I want you guys just to picture this. The propane line is like spewing propane. I don't know if you ever like put your face in pure propane before. It's not desirable. You won't like that. And it's like blowing my hair back and was like trying to like tape it up. And I get like a couple wraps around and everything. And I'm like, all right, we're set. And I back up and it's like, like flies right off. Like not even close. Um, I had this really big problem and I was reaching for the wrong solution to solve my problem. Yes? And um, so just to finish up the story, this is what happened. I ran back inside and my roommate at the time, uh, one of my best friends, his name is Kent. And Kent uh, was an Eagle Scout, just really like, I mean, most responsible guy. And uh, I said, Kent, I ran the propane line, and it's leaking everywhere. And he's like, okay, well, I'll call the fire department. I said, great, I'm going to Bible study. <laughs> and I left the scene of the crime <laughs> with Kent. I'm surprised they didn't get, like, you know, charges for it or something. But Kent took care of it, and it was fine. And uh, I got a huge bill, but that's okay. We'll be okay. And so... The point is that I, I was, had this, faced this really huge problem, and I was trying the wrong solution to solve this problem. Um, and so um, it seems to me that's what the, the, um, the author of, of Paul, the author of Romans, is doing as well. He's talking about the, where we go to solve the problem of sin. And so, um, by the way, you guys might, might know, this is the season of Lent. Lent, which is a time to repent. Not just because it rhymes, but um, be, because um, it's a time where we, we take stock in our own lives of, of may, maybe some sins in our lives. Where are the, are the busted propane lines in your lives? Maybe it's something obvious that you've known for a while needs to be addressed. Or maybe it's something that's going to require a little bit more, um, more revealing to you, like a leaky propane line under your house or something. Um, that's going to just leak a little bit over time, but gradually, 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 um, something that's going to steal your joy, or maybe it's a little bit of um, lust that's harming your marriage, or maybe it's a little bit of pride, a little bit of bitterness. Whatever it is, I, I pray that God would show us these things um, so that we can actually turn, turn, what is all repent means, just to turn, turn away from our sin and to the right solution. Um, so what is the right solution? Romans 7, um, we'll see that Paul is, is talking about first what it looks like to reach for the wrong solution um, and then also what it means to look like reach for the right solution. So here's our, time, here's our outline for today. Um, one, what is the problem of sin? Um, two, what are some wrong solutions that we all reach towards? And, and three, what is the right solution? What's going to actually make a difference? Okay, so first, what is the problem of sin? Um, many people um, today assume the Bible has a lot to say about good and bad behaviors, right? It's, it's a rule book that tells you what to do, what not to do, that people assume. And many people also assume that the Bible's definition of sin is a little bit outdated, right? It's like, oh, you know, it was nice back then, but now we have like a different thing. Um, so um, that's actually unfortunate because... What the Bible is doing isn't just giving us like a list of right and wrong behaviors. It's actually giving us a profound diagnosis of the human condition. It's not just giving us a list of right and wrong behavior. It's giving us a profound diagnosis 
of the human condition. So you may have heard that sin, um, maybe you heard this before, I heard that when I was a, a young kid, that sin means to like miss the mark. Like back in the day, it was like for archery or something. Um, uh, and it, it does mean that it's true, but it, it goes a little bit deeper than that because it's not just like, I tried pretty hard and just missed it a little bit, okay? Um, it goes actually much deeper than that. So I'm gonna give you three kind of biblical descriptions of the word sin um, and get a better idea of, of how deep our predicament really is, okay? So uh, one is that sin is rooted in our desires and selfish urges that lead us to seek our own benefit at the expense of others. You may have heard this quoted before, um, James 1, don't, don't borrow, James 4, don't turn there, it's fine, I'll just read it to you. James 4, 1 says this, What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire, you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So sin stems from our determination to please ourselves. But it gets worse because, number two, sin actually blinds us to our own condition, our own motives. Um, we can't even discern what is good and bad anymore because we, we redefine what is, good, um, what is good and bad based on our own personal preferences at the time. Um, so we're blinded because we spin these like illusions that make our bad decisions sound like it's actually good because it's what suits us best at the time. Um, let me give you an example of this. It's a little bit sensitive, but it's very true. Um, we can see a lot of this in the history of slavery in America. Um, have you guys heard of like the justification for at the time? It's pretty, it's pretty painful if you hear. It's like um, people would like make like beautiful speeches like, oh, you know, the slaves kind of need us because we provide a home for them and we feed them. And so it's actually better off that they're under our care. They would say these kinds of things. And uh, of course, it's absurd. Like they're using the free, the free labor and it's ridiculous. Um, and, uh, and I wish, <laughs> I wish it was only, this was only something that was like present back in history that we're like, that's stupid, you know? But unfortunately, like today, of course, it's not slavery per se, but w what are the things in our lives that we redefine um, what is, we redefine good and evil for what is, what makes no sense to us? What are the actions that we justify um, and make it sound like it's a good idea when really it's going to hurt somebody else? Um, maybe it's, um, for you, it's a little bit of, um, of gossip. Like, well, I just have to vent a little bit. You know, we do that sometimes. Or I'm just asking for prayer for this person. <laughs> you ever do that? Um, or something else. Like, maybe it's a little bit of dishonesty. Like, well, it really makes the most sense if I cheat my taxes in this way because, you know, maybe it's like just a little bit, like a little bit of lie to your parents. Whatever it is, we justify our own sin and based on whatever suits us at the time. I say we, not you, me as well. Um, and we've all had the experience of like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? And um, my prayer for all of us is that God would reveal us our, our sin and the places that we stray before it's too late. So um, just to recap so far. So sin is, is our selfish desires. Um, and two, it blinds us to our own condition. And third, sin is a failure to love God and to love people. Um, and so these two commands, love God, love each other, are really closely related. Um, we see that in the, in the Ten Commandments. So there's ten of them, right? Did you notice, ever notice that half of them um, are about how we relate to God and the other half are about how we relate to people? And the fact that both of these are listed side by side shows how intertwined they are. 
Because a failure to love people is a failure to love God. And a failure to love God is a failure to love people. Um, we see this in scripture, just a real quick story. Remember, um, Joseph was a slave in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife, you know, was trying to hang out with him and he, um, he goes to, to run away and he's like, how can I do this sin against God? And maybe you've read that before and you're like, oh, it's not really against God per se. It's more just against Potiphar. And to Joseph, it's like same thing. A sin against somebody is a sin against God. So what is sin? It's these three descriptions. It's rooted in our selfish urges. It blinds us to our motives and it's a failure to love God and others. And this is pretty bleak, right? This is not just outside of us, but it's something that is real for us as well. Um, but we're, we're, not gonna, we're not doing ourselves any favor by hiding from the truth. Um, so it's a huge problem, and we'll get to the solution. But first, we need, to be, we need to be certain that we are repenting, turning away from the sin problem to the right solution. So let's point out some of the wrong solutions that the author, that Paul, speaks about in Romans. Um, and again, I just want you to keep this image in your mind. These wrong solutions are like duct tape on our sin. They're just going just to blow away, okay? Um, so in Romans 7, we'll see that he turns to two false solutions. I wanted to just choose one, by the way, guys, but I couldn't. They're both like so good, so true. So I chose two. Two wrong solutions he turns to. One is a false identity, and the second is a false power. Um, so the false identity, um, I want you to look at, just I'll read to you, verse 14. He describes himself as being sold under sin. In verse 23, he says, I'm a captive to the law of sin and death. So when we face sin in our lives, one response that we often have is to roll over and to admit defeat. They say, ah, I'm just always going to struggle with, name the sin. Just always going to be this way. And uh, let me tell you, I used to read this passage and misapply it because I would say, well, if Paul can struggle with sin, I guess it's good for me to as well, right? Paul, me and him are boys, okay? And that's not the point. <laughs> that's not the point of God's word is to excuse our sin, right? Um, so uh, maybe you haven't done that before. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. So um, if you have ever accepted this lie, namely the lie that you are still a slave to sin, we all need to embrace this truth. That is, anyone who is in Christ is no longer a slave to sin. Anyone who is in Christ is no longer a slave to sin. And Paul, by the way, just said this in Romans 6. Uh, Romans 6, he says that we'd no longer be enslaved to sin. And also he talks about walking in newness of life. So, um, by the way, quick side note. You might be saying, okay, preacher, easier said than done. Like, I, I feel like I've repented like a thousand times of the same thing and I always fall back into it. So I do feel like I'm still a slave to sin. And um, I get that. Like I'm not trying to like belittle any like real sin struggles because I know that that's, that sucks. That's like painful to like always feel like you're struggling with the same sin. Um, so just three quick words of encouragement for you is one, to, to look around you and not to suffer in this place alone, but to invite others in. That's the beauty of the body of Christ, of your, your church community. And two is to look up and to celebrate how God has moved in your life. When you um, respond to someone um, in, in a kind way and you say, oh, that's nice. I should have like, been mean to them, but actually I was kind. Then like, celebrate that victory. You know, Get, Give thanks to God for giving you his Holy Spirit to allow you to do that. And then like, keep on like, praying for it again. 
Um, and third, this is getting to the punchline a little bit, but I, I can't not go there already. But third is look to Jesus. Because remember the, this lines from um, 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he, I mean God, is faithful and just to forgive us from all sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So um, in the struggle of sin, we look around us. We uh, look up and celebrate God's victory. And we also look to Jesus who paid the price for those sins, right? Um, so um, this is what it reminds me of. When we feel like we're, we're slaves to sin. This is the image in my head. Um, you guys ever have like, a, like an invisible fence for your dog? Who has that, right? The dog can't go past or else it gets like zapped and has to come back. Um, have any of you ever forgotten to change the batteries in the, the dog's like zapping collar? Right? You've got to change them. And then sometimes it doesn't make a difference. Ever seen this before? The dog, like months will go by and the dog will just like stay in the boundaries. And you're like, you poor creature. You don't know. The batteries are dead. But he's so conditioned to stay inside these boundaries that he never tries to like move beyond them. And uh, I feel like that's our response to sin sometimes is we're just like, I'm just always going to stay in these boundaries. And guys, like, the batteries that kept us hostage are dead. Jesus has the fear, the powers that kept us as a slave to sin. And so we don't have to live within this, um, this slavery anymore. Um, you don't have to say these like lies to yourself. Like, well, I guess I'm just always going to yell at my kids. I'm just always going to struggle with lust. I'm just always going to be bitter toward my parents. It's not true. Um, it's not true. We... Christ has set us for freedom. That Christ has set us free, right? That's the good news. Okay, so um, the second wrong solution that the speaker in Romans 7 turns to is a false power. He's relying on something that will never change his heart. And here's how we know, because there's one crucial element of the Christian life that is, it seems to me, like glaringly absent from Romans 7. And again, I think Paul did this on purpose. I think in writing this, we're supposed to be like, wait a minute, where is the, okay, just wait, we're gonna get there. Okay, so, um, so I'm gonna read through, I'm just gonna kind of skim around. I want you to notice in repeated words in Romans 7. Verse 12 says, so the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Verse 14 says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm of the flesh, sold under sin. Verse 21 says, So I find it to be a law that whenever I want to do right, evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God and in my inner being. Verse 23, But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Finally, verse 25, So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Okay, so what do you see? What, what is the false solution that the speaker is turning to? What do you got? Three letters. Law. It's the law. Throughout Romans 7, I counted. The word law shows up, how many times do you think? 23 times. 23. It's, all, it's like, a, like a drum beat, or even better, like, like a death knell, you know? Dong, dong. It's just like repeat throughout, throughout Romans. Um, if you read the whole thing in one sitting, you'll think, oh my gosh, like law comes up a lot. Um, and here's the point. I believe this is the point Paul is driving at. The law by itself is incapable of changing our hearts. The law is incapable of changing our hearts. Um, because we read these Paul's words, 
Many of us understand this feeling of helplessness to do what is right by our own power. Honestly, on our own, it is indeed a totally useless struggle. For the person under the law without Christ, sin and the flesh are simply the stronger powers. I'll tell you why. It's because the law doesn't make us want to do the right thing. The law doesn't make us love people. The law doesn't make us love God. The law can't make us worship. We can maybe keep the rules, but how long is that going to last? It's not going to change our hearts. It's not. Um, I have a couple examples of of signs you might see around town, and I want you just to think of your response to them. Seeing, knowing what you're supposed to do doesn't make you actually want to do it, okay? So here's a couple examples. See a sign that says, don't walk on the grass. Speed limit. No outside food or beverages. How about in like movie theater? Because like sneak popcorn in. My parents taught me to do that. They're like, yeah, well, this is how you sneak popcorn. It's so messed up. Um, no diving. Uh, how about this one? Walk your bike across the bridge. You ever do that? You like come to a bridge, like you're like full, you know, full, full steam. You're like, got to walk. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you do. Um, only stay in the hot tub for 20 minutes. Yeah, ever break that one? Okay, so how about some more serious, some more serious laws we give ourselves? We think, I'll train myself to be the kind of dad who, fill in the blank. I'll, I'll be kinder to my coworkers. Tomorrow, I'm going to do it. I won't yell at my parents. How many times have you felt the same struggle? I know that I'm, personally, I'm prone to um, turn to my own willpower to fight my sin. I grip my teeth. I'm like, oh, I'll do better next time. And uh, maybe I do a couple times. But again, my heart's not changed. The law is inadequate to change our hearts. It's the wrong solution to our sin problem. So let's turn, let's turn back to the right solution. So I've been talking about this whole time. What's missing from Romans 7? Paul asks this question too. That's kind of what's behind Paul's question where he says, who will deliver me from this body of sin and death? Um, and, the que- and the answer comes, starts in verse 25, where it says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. And then in, in Romans 8, it's all about what? The Spirit. Romans 8, it's all about the Spirit. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Jesus Christ from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit is never mentioned in Romans, in Romans 7, and Romans 8, it's all about it. And in my opinion, it's got to be. It's the answer to the problem uh, of sin. It's not just trying um, by ourselves to do it or, or rolling over and accepting defeat, but it's living by the Spirit. Um, so here we go. This is why the story of Jesus is such good news, because Jesus is depicted as the creator who was fully become human, but he did not fail to love God and love others. That is, he did not sin. He took, huma- he took responsibility for humanity's failure. Um, he lived for others and then died for their sins. And he was raised from the dead to offer them the gift of his life that covers for their sin. It's, it's a gift. Jesus rose from the dead to give us the gift of his life. Um, in Romans, what's the word that often gets that, um, this, this gift that um, comes up all the time in Romans? Actually comes up with the word grace. We see that all the time. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's God's grace. It's a gift we never could have earned, yet it's free. And it's a gift given to us that when we're stuck in sin, 
And it's more powerful than sin. Because here's the thing. Um, I think as Christians, we often think that um, the gift that God gives us is forgiveness. And that's true. Forgiveness is so good. It was such a great gift. But it's more than that. Because Jesus' gift isn't just to pay the penalty for our past sin and then tell us to tighten up in the meantime. Jesus' gift is to pay for our sin and then give us his Holy Spirit that enables us to walk, like Romans 6 says, in newness of life. The gospel isn't just the power to pay the price of sin, but it's the power that gives us to actually become changed people. This is good news. Um, I noticed this week someone um, that exemplified this gift, and I wanted to share this story with you. Um, just this past week, I was in seminary class. I'm in class online doing seminary, and one of my classmates is from, is from India. He, um, he's, he's Indian, and he lives in India. His name is Raju. And uh, Raju, uh, one of the cool things that happens in seminary classes is they'll ask for your prayer requests. I've never experienced that in class before, but uh, they ask for prayer requests at the end. And um, so people are, you are sharing some stuff, and uh, comes to Raju and he says, well, guys, the beatings have gotten more frequent. And what he's referring to is that it's become, it's very common for him when he leaves his home as a Christian to be surrounded by a mob of Hindu extremists and beaten for his faith. Because, because the Hindu extremists see his worship of Jesus as a betrayal of their Hindu gods. And they're like, well, we don't want our gods to like strike us down as our her community to send like, you know, a fire or something. So um, we need to get this guy to change his ways. So they'll surround him and beat him. Okay. He said after a recent beating, his dad was bedridden for months. He ruptured a spine in his back, uh, um, what's it called, a disc in his, in his back. Um, and, uh, but I haven't shared his prayer request with us because he didn't ask for the beatings to stop. He asked for boldness to keep sharing. He said, I got to keep telling him. He's so enamored with Jesus and the gift that Jesus offers and, and his solution to the problem of sin that he knows what he has to do is keep sharing. He's like, I got to keep sharing with them. Even, and maybe especially, the people who are shrouding him and beating him. He said, pray for boldness to keep sharing this with people. And this is what I'm talking about. Like, the law would never move someone to do that. Sharing rules isn't going to, like, make you be excited to, um, to share it in the face of beatings. You'd be like, no, forget that, okay? He's, ex- he's not excited to share rules with somebody. He's excited to share a person. And the person is Jesus. Like I said, the creator who came to earth to live the good life that he should have lived and then give him and then die his death and then give him the, the grace, the gift of eternal life that sure goes on for eternity, but the eternal life that begins right now. So when we see, just like Romans 7 says, when we see the problem of sin in our lives, are we going to roll over and accept that, yeah, this is a big deal, but like, what's going to happen? It's always going to be this way. Or are we going to buckle down and say, oh, I can do it next time. I'll get it right. I'll fix it. Or are we going to repent, that is to turn away from our problem of sin and toward Jesus, the only solution to our sin problem? Um, I said at the beginning that Lent is the time to consider our sins, maybe especially our, our secret, our hidden sins. 
And that's true. We consider these things. But it's not just to be sucked more and more inward and feel so bad about ourselves. Because when the Holy Spirit reveals sin to us, it's always, always, always in light of the cross. That's why we still do communion every Sunday during Lent. It's because the cross is at the focus even during this time of confession and repentance. Um, we invite the Spirit to show us our places of sin. Where are the leaks in our propane lines? And once the Spirit reveals our sin to us, the proper response is never to accept defeat or to double down on our, our willpower or something. Rather, we offer our sins to Jesus and we accept his forgiveness, that gift, and we walk by the power of the Holy Spirit in newness of life. One hymn I love puts it this way. It says, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of his grace. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me, for you. Let's pray. Uh, dear Jesus, I pray that um, this truth would sink into us and that if there's anyone here who's not yet looked to you as the true solution to sin, that they would today. And they would find your, your grace and your comfort in your open arms. You said your, um, your burden is light and your yoke is easy. And I pray that that would be true for us today. We would find um, life with you to be, to be a joy. Give us not just conviction of sin, but the strength to turn our sin over to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.